We're ready. Apparently, we are ready. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to call to order the Friday, November 17th Transportation and Land Use Committee meeting to order. Uh, for those of you, happy Friday. Uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, first item on our agenda would be the adoption of the consent agenda. Staff, of course, provided a very detailed motion for us. The item proposed for consent is item number two, request for withdrawal of land belonging to Carl Sibentritt from the new Catoctin South Agricultural and Forestal District, and it is in the Catoctin District. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda? Is there a second? Second. It's been moved and properly seconded. Any discussion on that motion? <laughs> the adoption of the consent agenda. <laughs> yes. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstentions? That motion carries unanimously. Thank you very much. Uh, the other item on our agenda this morning is an information item uh, for the Bicycle and Pedestrian Plan Overview. Uh, before we start, I'd like to thank staff for putting all of the information together. I know it was some heavy lifting uh, and pulling the different pieces together over time going all the way back to 2003. So with that, staff, please. Good morning, Madam Chair, board members. Uh, as uh, Supervisor Volpe indicated, this is an overview of bicycle and pedestrian plans uh, and initiatives that are ongoing uh, relating to that topic. What we hope to talk with you this, this morning about is uh, give you some background on planning initiatives that have taken place in project development over the past, say, 15 years, uh, how all of that information will be folded into the Envision Loudoun comprehensive update to the countywide transportation plan, and then uh, more specifically, an item was directed to be brought to this committee regarding uh, sidewalks in the Sterling District. So going back to uh, kind of the beginning of time, uh, the 2003 Bicycle and Pedestrian Plan could be referred to as, as the grandfather of bike and ped plans. Uh, it's often referred to, and it's really the, the first major initiative relating to planning for, uh, for bike and pedestrian facilities. The 2003 plan was an offshoot of the 2001 Comprehensive Plan update uh, and recommendation from that plan to develop a bike and ped plan, and its purpose was to uh, establish a framework of, and comprehensive strategy really to achieve connectivity throughout the county. Uh, the planning team identified uh, five primary goals. Uh, first and foremost was connectivity, uh, to develop a system that connects uh, residential neighborhoods, uh, towns, workplaces, uh, shopping centers, transit, historic districts, and so on, schools, public facilities, uh, using a bike and ped uh, network. Uh, it was to accommodate a wide range of users, uh, commuters, uh, recreational riders, uh, children, those who wish to, uh, to access other public facilities, and so on. Uh, the plan also uh, had an educational component uh, to educate the, the public officials, the business community, uh, and the general public on 
the trail system and try to encourage its use. Um, the, the plan encouraged safety and security as, as a foundation to uh, ensure that, uh, that the system would be safe and, and free of, uh, of any uh, problem areas. And then finally, to uh, identify funding for long-term construction and maintenance of, of such of a facility. So that, that 2003 plan looked at existing conditions of the bike and ped system at that point in time uh, and identified uh, many man-made and natural barriers that prevented that system from being uh, fully developed. And, and I'm referring to items like mainly the rural road system that is basically paved two-lane roads without shoulders. Um, the Potomac River prevents us from getting access to the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal Trail, um, Dulles Airport, uh, limited access highways and those types of things. So the plan created a series of policy statements uh, and incorporated also design guidelines for bike and ped facilities, both along roadways and off roadways. These policies were established to provide a framework on how land development should address the bike and ped issues as um, the private sector continues with their land development activities. Uh, the, the plan identified connectivity to transit as a high priority and a key component. Uh, it recommended bike and, a bike and pedestrian uh, network uh, and, that, and priorities associated with that, and those are listed in attachment three to your item. And finally, the plan recommended coordination, continual coordination with towns throughout the county to ensure that the county network would tie to the towns and the both would enhance uh, the provision of bike and ped facilities. So in 2010, the board initiated an update to the countywide transportation plan. Uh, a comprehensive update to the 2003 plan was not included as part of that plan. However, relevant portions of the 2003 plan were folded in to the 2010 countywide transportation plan. Uh, policies and recommendations uh, for implementation from the 2003 plan were rolled into the 2010 document as Chapter 4, uh, titled Bicycle and Pedestrian Facilities, and that's included as, uh, as an attachment in your, in your item. The planning and design guidelines from the 2003 plan were also listed as an appendix in the 2010 plan and are listed in your item as attachment 5. Since the adoption of the 2010 plan, as it's been amended over the years, uh, the staff has consistently uh, requested compliance from developers for the installation of shared use paths and sidewalks to build out the plan as it existed in 2003 and 2010. In October 2011, the board adopted a priority list for bicycle and pedestrian accommodations. Uh, this list of priorities was developed following a series of public input sessions, and out of those public input sessions, there were really three uh, emergent themes that came about. Uh, first was a desire to establish bicycle and pedestrian corridors, uh, particularly north-south, east-west corridors, similar to like what the WNO&D trail is in an east-west direction. A desire to enhance connectivity, uh, as was described in the 2003 plan, 
to make uh, create connections to uh, facilities and public services, uh, recreational routes, neighborhoods, and capitalize on the WNOND trail uh, for countywide connectivity. And finally, to enhance safety and interest to improve bike and pedestrian crossings uh, at various roadways. And there were several roadways that were specifically named uh, at that point in time, such as Route 7, Farmwell Road at Smithswitch Road, Clark's Gap Road at Charlestown Pike, and, and so on. So on the screen, you see uh, what is figures one and two in your item. Uh, I also have a larger version of the 2011 priorities over my right shoulder that if the board has any questions, we may need to refer to a larger scale for that. <clears throat> Along with uh, many other amenities and services within the county, the startup of Metrorail uh, within the county will have a profound impact on the priorities for bicycle and pedestrian connectivity. Uh, many Planned land uses and infrastructure projects have been uh, approved and are under some level of development. Uh, we have Moorfield Station that is uh, actively constructing roads and a, and a bicycle and pedestrian network. Uh, Loudoun Station is uh, mostly built out. Uh, there is some additional land development to occur there. And then there are many other uh, projects in and around the metro stations that are developing shared use paths and sidewalks, some of which are private sector projects and many of which are uh, county projects. Uh, the transit connector bridge at the Ashburn Station uh, is well under construction and in fact the structural steel beams for that project will be set over the Greenway uh, here over the next week or so. Uh, and that bridge will include a shared use path that will connect these high-density developments on the north side and the south side of the Greenway and allow for pedestrians to uh, maneuver from an activity on the north to maybe a residential on the south or vice versa. <clears throat> the Loudoun Gateway Station, um, that area is, is currently uh, largely undeveloped. However, uh, initiatives by the board uh, with regards to certain roadway projects such as Prentice Drive, Shellhorn Road and Sterling Boulevard extended will bring excellent uh, bike and ped connectivity to that station. On the south side, we have Route 606 widening project that includes a shared use path on the west, west side of the project all the way from Evergreen Mills Road up to the Greenway. Now there still remains a gap from the south side of the Greenway to carry that uh, bike uh, shared use path across the 606 bridge and connected to the Metro L station and we are programming funds as part of the capital budget uh, under a project titled um, Metro Rail Sidewalk Connectivity that's been funded using uh, federal funds. <clears throat> uh, in October 2014, staff completed and presented an inventory uh, of bicycle and pedestrian facilities around the proposed metro rail stations. Uh, the presentation included a discussion of existing facilities and recommendations for improvements to the network to ensure connectivity uh, to metro rail. From this work, the board directed staff to initiate a program to ensure uh, bicycle and pedestrian connectivity by the time metro rail opens in the county. And that 
as is the outcome of the, the CIP project I mentioned is the outcome of that board direction. Uh, from 2014, over the following 18 months or so, uh, the staff completed a study titled Bicycle and Pedestrian Metro Access Study. Uh, it's listed as attachment six in your item, and it further defined uh, the priorities within that metro rail area to focus on as part of that capital budget item. Uh, the recommendations of the study uh, uh, were uh, to continue development of the roadway projects around metro rail and, and those other key locations uh, and going out uh, to the fringes about a mile out away from the metro rail projects. These projects were categorized uh, basically using a high, medium, and low uh, factor with uh, several other factors considered to develop a priority listing that was presented to the board. So as I indicated, there's um, a lot of planning initiatives that have taken place over the past 15 years. Uh, excellent work in the area of planning that really is culminating uh, in implementation today. Uh, and we intend to take all of that background work and fold it into the Envision Loudon process. And Mark Dreyfus, a senior transportation planner in our office, is going to talk a little bit about how they're handling that through the Envision Loudon process. Good morning. So, um, as all of you are very aware of the Envision Loudon process, uh, one of the key elements of the transportation component of this plan is um, a new bicycle and pedestrian plan. As Joe mentioned, the last time a full plan was done was 2003, and so it's been it's been 14 years, uh, and that should be updated. Uh, this plan is going to include a complete review of what's on the ground today, um, and where we're missing segments. Um, you drive around the county, walk around the county. There are certainly places where trails and sidewalks just end. This is a typical problem in, in a developing community, uh, and this will help us identify not only where these are, but more specifically identify how these should be connected. Uh, this will include a specific focus on the regional trail connections, specifically the WNOD trail, as well as um, connections along the edges of the county, um, such as the Appalachian Trail and other national, national park trails. Um, to facilitate this, there's mobility goals and policies that will guide development of these various networks. And when I say networks, we have pedestrian network, we have a bicycle network. And at times that they overlap, we have shared use paths. But as we develop, especially in these areas around Metro Rail, we may be looking at separated facilities in regard to on-street bike lanes, sidewalks. Um, the ultimate goal is to have a map. As Joe mentioned, the 2003 plan had a map of the ultimate conditions for bicycle and pedestrian facilities, and we're hoping to come out with a similar type of thing that, that looks and feels like the roadway map that we currently have for the CTP. And this would include full integration uh, with the neighboring jurisdictions. Um, Fairfax County has a full bicycle and pedestrian plan. Prince William County has a bicycle and pedestrian plan, and we need to make sure that those are aligned similar to how we would do our roadway network. Uh, as well as with the, all of the incorporated towns since 2003, um, Leesburg has adopted a, a bicycle and pedestrian plan, uh, and Percival and some, uh, and Lovitzville and Middleburg have, have all had some, some level of, of planning done. So we want to make sure that's all incorporated. Um, one of the things that we're going to specifically look at is, is the appropriate ways to cross roads. We have, 
uh, very, very uh, roads with very heavy traffic volumes and making sure that there's safe ways to cross the roads in the county as appropriate in a way. So we'll touch on that in a few minutes on Route 7. Uh, and then the focus on the context sensitivity of these areas. There are certain places where shared-use paths might be most appropriate, certain places where sidewalks might be most appropriate, where on-street bike lanes might be most appropriate. Uh, so we want to make sure that this, this matches that sort of situation. Uh, to uh, to understand what the public would like to see, what citizens would like to see, as part of the outreach for Envision Loudon, we did uh, some some dynamic activities, including uh, building a street. So uh, on the top uh, left of your screen, there's there's a picture of what the end result of that was. But uh, if, if any of you were, were unable to make it to, to these meetings, the there were tiles, uh, individual tiles that had various elements of a street. These included roadway lanes, buffers, trails, sidewalks, on-street bike lanes, uh, tr treed areas, benches, um, and, and transit shelters, and, and a variety of other things. And people were able to come over. They were not. They were not given any particular guidance regarding what street it had to be. They got to choose a street. Uh, unsurprisingly, many of them chose streets that they travel on frequently. So Route 7, Route 9, Route 15, Loudoun County Parkway, and a lot of the streets around the Silver Line station areas, uh, including Waxpool Road, Shellhorn Road, uh, were, were the uh, most popular streets to build. Um, and what we found was that almost all of these streets had sidewalks or trails. There's clearly a demand uh, based on this input for more of these facilities. Uh, on the right-hand side, people were given three dots, and they were able to select which um, types of environments. There, was, there were more than this. There were about 12 for the rural area, 12 for the suburban residential areas, and 12 for the commercial activity areas. And they were able to identify which ones they most associated with that type of area. Um, the, the three in each, each level here in each line are the three uh, of each that were most selected. Um, so you'll see that there's some similarities between the bottom two, but clearly the, the rural areas and the suburban areas, commercial activity centers were, were very different. Um, the other thing that we had them do, and there's actually maps uh, just behind or to mm -hmm. your right, um, and these maps were, were where people said that they were most interested in walking or bicycling to, to access. Uh, again, there was no limitation as to how far that was from their, their homes. What we did was we took that and we made, we made a heat map. So what that includes is there's, if there's a set of dots that expands. So some of those areas where you see yellow would be – natural connections as the crow flies, maybe not natural connections in terms of where the facilities are located. In the western area of the county, though, we found people very much wanted to travel to the towns. They wanted to travel to uh, large uh, parks, and they wanted to travel to uh, rural economy uses, such as wineries and breweries. In the eastern part of the county, uh, we found similar types of interests. People wanted to, again, travel to uh, to towns and other and, and other villages, they wanted to travel to parks and they wanted to travel to activity centers. And this is uh, really not necessarily surprising, but it, I think it helps us identify where we might think about prioritizing these sorts of improvements as the county moves forward with trying to build out this network. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Eloisa Thring, who will speak about Route Seven. Good morning. Good morning. Um, as Joe stated, pedestrian connectivity 
and providing safe pathways linking residential communities to generators such as shopping centers, retail, uh, businesses, transit, schools and parks and other public facilities are some of the goals of the county's bicycle and pedestrian plan. In October 2016, the board directed staff to complete a feasibility study to accommodate pedestrian crossings along Route 7 at the five signalized intersections between Bartholomew Fair Drive and Lakeland Drive. And the length of this roadway segment is approximately, approximately 1.3 miles. In the following year, at the October 3rd business meeting, staff reported back to the full board with the results of the feasibility study. Staff recommended three at-grade pedestrian crossings on Route 7, and these crossings are at Bartholomew Fair Drive and Campus Drive, which is the entrance to the Northern Virginia Community College. The second one is Potomac View Drive, and the third intersection is, the, is Lakeland Drive. At that meeting, the board supported staff's recommendation by forwarding this proposal to the upcoming CIP budget deliberation. The board also recommended for the sidewalk connectivity information that was on that board item to be identified uh, to be included in this TLUC item. Just to give you some context to the evaluation of the proposed sidewalk connectivity along Route 7, addressing the missing links was not part of the initial direction by the board. However, it was subject of discussions with board members during the, the study briefings. Staff evaluated the sidewalk connectivity and provide, provided that information on the October 3rd board report, including the level cost estimates. We recognize that establishing a continuous sidewalk connectivity network in the study area is critical in terms of the overall safety and connectivity and would complement to the proposed pedestrian crossings in the study area. Due to the length of the study corridor, corridor we recognize that completing the missing links would be an expensive endeavor. So not only we identified the estimated full connectivity but we also looked at the partial connectivity in this area. With the full connectivity estimating at 15,000 linear feet, which is equivalent to 2.8 miles at a unit cost of $675 per linear foot, the, le the planning level cost estimate is approximately 10.2 miles. The full connectivity would provide facilities on both sides of the roadway, tying it into the existing facilities on the side streets. The unit cost was based on the average total cost that includes the design and construction services, right-of-way acquisition, and overhead and under underground utility relocation from the most recently completed pedestrian improvement projects by the county. Please note that the pedestrian improvement costs vary based on location, existing physical constraints, and land use. In this case, Route 7 corridor in the Sterling Election District, it is mixed use with commercial, retail, residential, and office. There will be more impact to properties and utilities in denser areas, which is one of the driving force to higher cost. Given that the high estimated cost of full connectivity within Loudoun County, we believe that we, we scaled it back somewhat. We also identified an estimated partial connectivity in a study area that would best serve the residents, the businesses, students, and visitors.
based on our, our, our observation, the north side would be more optimal mm -hmm. for sidewalk trail connectivity than the south side. With more open space on the north side, there was no wall barrier. And the Northern Virginia Community, Community College situated on the, south, on the north side of this roadway, we believe completing the missing links on the north side of Route 7 was a better option. So the estimated length of the partial connectivity on this side of the roadway is approximately 9,000 linear feet, which is equivalent to 1.7 miles. Applying the unit cost that was applied to the full connectivity, the planning level cost estimate is approximately 6.1 million, which is roughly 4 million less than the full connectivity. Okay, with that, that wraps up our presentation. And just to sum up, uh, staff moving forward, we'll continue to implement the policies and the design guidelines that are uh, originated in 2003 and folded into the 2010 plan. We're going to continue to implement connectivity to Metrorail. Uh, we're going to continue to work with VDOT and the development community to build out the network. And we are going to work to fold in all of this previous work into the Envision Loudon. So with that, we're happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Mr. Crowbuth. And thank you all. Excellent presentation, great background information, getting all of us up to speed. I know you all live this every day. You know, there are those of us who just happily walk along a sidewalk, not realizing how it gets there. Um, I'm going to open the floor for questions. Uh, I'll start with Supervisor Meyer, then uh, Supervisor Umstead, and then Supervisor Higgins, and then the chair. <laughs> so uh, I do have a few motions that I will want to make just because, I mean, I really think that staff's put so much great thought and effort into this. Um, and part of it is that I think staff's actually done quite enough work on this for us to start taking more immediate action uh, as far as the countywide perspective goes. Um, every town, we've done 10 hall. 10 town hall meetings this year in my district. Probably, besides obviously Shellhorn Road and building Greenway Alternatives, Farm Road Road Widening Project, the number of three concern on transportation is missing links in Eastern Loudoun. And the, the, the truth is, you all know that we know where those missing links are. The, we, the, and we can do more studying, we can do more talking in Envision Loudoun for another year or two years, but I don't think that, personally I can just tell you, my constituents aren't really willing to accept that sort of delay. Uh, and so um, when the time is appropriate, I'll be making a motion to advance a more thorough discussion of funding missing links into our CIP discussion for this year. Uh, we have the data. We can act on it. We need to have an understanding of how much it's going to cost and a funding prioritization plan. Um, and I think for those of us who are in Eastern Loudoun, we see some supervisors taking action of, of, for their own little sections. But for those of us in Eastern Loudoun who live this, there's no connectivity between HOAs. H within HOAs, within developments, there's pathways. Outside of that, there's these massive gaps <clears throat> that are creating an unsafe tra tra traveling situation for people who are trying to access, whether it's the WNOD trail or trying to just walk to the grocery store. Uh, and you see mothers with strollers walking alongside the street. You see people who are trying to walk to their jobs walking along Ashburn Village Boulevard, which is one of our biggest roads in Loudoun. There is a massive missing link on Ashburn Village Boulevard, massive missing link on Russell Branch Parkway. I mean, these are, these are signature roads that we have gaps in, that people are literally walking in the street. This is Loudoun County, Virginia. We, I think as a board, 
And I think obviously you all as staff, by making this a priority and doing so much research, you already are prioritizing it. But we as a board need to say, you know what, it's, it's enough to, to, to that we, we've studied this enough. It's time to start taking some real action, and not just around the metro station. Obviously, that needs to be number one. But outside of that, we need to start putting real money towards this. And we need to start putting that real money in our CIP in these out years, I think, this year. And so, anyway, when the time's right, I'd like to make a motion to that effect. Thank you, Supervisor Sainz. At the rate we're going, I'm assuming we're going to have motions from who knows how many of the board members. Well, uh, Madam Chair, I'm going to include Supervisor Sainz in, in, in my motion. I'm going to have it, – it'll be a relatively lengthy one that should cover, hopefully, everything. Uh, Supervisor Umstead. <coughs> Thank you, Madam Chair. Do we look at the feasibility of putting in asphalt trails rather than full sidewalk uh, when we try to solve some of these problems, these connectivity problems? And can we save money by doing that? And would it be appropriate if we could save money? Under our current policies within the countywide transportation plan, CTP roads are built with a shared use path, asphalt path on one side of the road and concrete sidewalks on the opposite side. So I don't know if that answers your question. Do we, do we have a sense of, I mean, my understanding is asphalt trails are cheaper than uh, sidewalks. Mm -hmm. Can, can you, would we have to amend the uh, transportation plan to do asphalt trail on both sides? If we're aiming for connectivity as quickly as possible, are we shooting ourselves in the foot because we're going for a more expensive option when a cheaper one might accomplish our goal? Well, it, I think one of the primary issues is, relates to maintenance and mm -hmm. ADA accessibility. Asphalt trails over time tend to have deformations that can create tripping hazards, so we're trying to encourage the pedestrians to utilize the concrete sidewalks, which are more durable uh, and have <coughs> to, to provide ADA access. So we're trying to accommodate both the bicycle activity as well as the pedestrians and separate them from that perspective. If I may add, too, we also look at the eye aesthetic of it. Given that some of these sidewalks or trails were built several years ago, maybe decades ago, mm -hmm. we want to make sure that what we put out there matches the existing condition. So we look at the north side or east side and west side, and then we kind of match the situation. We don't want to have sidewalk trail, sidewalk trail. I aesthetically, that doesn't look good. Uh, second question, do we look at whether, I know, I know that sometimes we'll look at <clears throat> um, roads, access roads that parallel a main road. Do we look at the, uh, the possibility that on um, a parallel road there is safe pedestrian and bicycle um, use areas? For example, if I wanted to get from Northern Virginia Community College down to Lakeland, is there a parallel road mm with a sidewalk or trail that I could use as opposed to using Route 7 as a pedestrian or bicyclist? I can tell you that, yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. When there is, especially along on the north uh, side uh, of the road, yeah. Yeah, especially um, in places where there's a planned limited access facility, um, like uh, what we're doing along Route Seven right now. Let's plan along Route Fifty and along Route Twenty Eight. Um, part of the idea of those parallel road networks was to provide parallel multimodal transportation, um, so that 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 access is there, but in the same sense, I think that that's a fair statement, that if there is is a parallel access route um, nearby, that that would be taken into consideration. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Supervisor Higgins. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, to the issue of, of missing links and to uh, – the peculiarity of them to the east is is not correct. I mean, we have missing links all over the county. We have missing links in the trail networks in Leesburg that we've done some work on. We have them um, in Round Hill, Percival. They're all over the place. So I have no problems with looking at all of the missing links and looking at the funding and then maybe trying to prioritize those needs countywide. But not focusing on one district or two districts because it, it goes further than that. Um, with regards to the uh, envision process, of course, moving forward with that, we've asked, and I actually have sent letters to the Planning Commission and the Board and DCTI to look at a Western uh, Loudon Bike Loop, which would include, I think, no paving at this point. It would just include some signage to identify the loop uh, for the bikes. And, uh, of course, we're also looking at um, trail connectivity in our discussions on the Route 15 improvements there that we're working on and we, we met about last night. So those are, I think, important things. One of the things that's mentioned in here um, that people will use bikes for tourism if they can get there. And so, um, you know, that also drives economic development in the, in the West in particular. And there are large groups, from what I understand, and somebody mentioned earlier, north of the Potomac, that would get into Virginia with with um, organized uh, organized bike tours or even individuals if they could get across the river and find a way to the WDNO Trail. So one of the things we were talking about with Route 15 was being able to hook up White's Ferry to the WDNO Trail down across 15 through Leesburg somehow, and then those people would have access to the WDNO Trail as well as the uh, um, Lucino Canal, and it would link that all together. And, you know, it's not that far apart, so it's something that I think uh, is feasible and that we could do. And, I mean, I, I also believe that with the destinations that we saw, there, there's a substantial tourism aspect to this that can be good for the county where people are going to come and visit and uh, spend their money and then go back home. The other thing that's important, particularly in the West, and we have some dangerous situations with some of the back roads that people bike on, and they come out West and they think, gosh, this is a country, nobody lives here, and uh, I mean, weekends, it's tough. And, and if we had trails, the trails help to take those bikes off the roads, if you can funnel them to the trails, to use the trails, and I think that's an um, important safety issue. So. Um, I hope that we can consider all these things in a larger package, not get focused on one area or another, look at it countywide. The other thing that occurred to me while I'm sitting here this morning is the WDNO trail. What happened to the WDNO right away that goes from Percival 
all the way to Bluemont. Is that still there? And, and who, who owns it? And I mean, that's a natural pathway for a trail that just needs the asphalt. Sure. Some, some of, some of the right of way has been, has been reabsorbed into the surrounding properties or sold off or as part of the towns. Um, some of it may be still into, in, in the public right of way. Um, that might be a lot right. of it has been, been removed over time. Um, as just after because of there. adverse possession or something like that, or was I'm, it? I'm not sure under what, but once the trail, once it was abandoned because that section of the, the railroad was abandoned prior, it was shortened to Percival and then it was closed. So um, some of that was removed prior. But how did only a portion of it end up with, uh, uh, what is it, the Northern Virginia Regional Park Authority own, owns it? Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's Please. a good question, Supervisor Higgins. I'll reach out to the Northern Virginia Parks and get some answers for yeah, you. Yeah, see if we can find out, because, I mean, that's a, with yeah. the right-of-ways there, you just have to put the asphalt right. down, which would then take the trails all the way to the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, and also offer some connection to that trail we were just working on in Round Hill, from Round Hill to Franklin Park. Um, so that's worth taking a look at. Anyway, thank you for your work on this. This is great information, and uh, I'm excited about moving forward with it. Madam Chair. Thank you, Ms. Philby, and thank you, staff. A um, <clears throat> couple, seven questions. Um, so we started this in 2003, and one of you said, I, I, I think it was you, young man, that said we've had many planning initiatives from 2003 through 2010 and 14 years later, and that is true. We've done a lot of planning, and we started in 2003. And I don't, I definitely don't want to assign blame, but I do want to know what, what happened, because we had a lot of plans in 2003, and we had an initiative, and then there were some things that just kind of stopped, and then some things were rolled into 2010. But as I sit here today, I think if, if you look at back at 2003, if those things had been completed, we'd be done right now. So can you tell us, again, not to assign blame, but more so for the point of learning and so it doesn't happen again, what happened so that this all kind of, we kind of lost it? I'll try. <laughs> I'll attempt to answer your question. Uh, prior to 2013, I was not here, but my, my experiences is that you know, in the mid-2000s, uh, the country started to go into a recession. Many local governments reduced their capital program. Uh, well, that was so about 2007, 2009. But five, six, seven, it, 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 yeah. it was trending that direction. Okay. So I can't speak as to what Loudoun's capital program was at that time. Um, but there was also a, an identification of priorities for highways, uh, that that were in, needed to be constructed. I believe that was kind of initiated around the 2012 time frame, uh, and we have been actively pursuing that. And uh, and we have been every highway sec segment that we build includes, as I said, a shared use path and sidewalks. Um, there I really, I'm not trying to assign blame, and, and no, I don't. I and I know you've only been since 2013, and I, don't, I hope no one feels defensive. I, I think I asked the question because past this prologue, and we can learn from it. So what we don't want to do is have this great, you know, have Envision Loudon and everyone do all this again, and it just doesn't happen to fruition, and then 10 years from now there's a board sitting here having the same discussion. So then I, I think Mr. Hemstreet wants to add to that. Yes, please. Yes, so uh, 
What I would add to that is in the the 2003 bike and pedestrian plan, which was then incorporated into the comprehensive plan in 2010, is, is a plan. So the main purpose of that is to define where we want pedestrian connections and how we want uh, multimodal connectivity to occur in the county. Uh, prior to really 2013, 2014, uh, most of these connections were primarily done through the land development process. Uh, the purpose of those plans being in place is, is to, when a development comes in or a rezoning comes in, is to identify the right-of-way and then through the proffer process have the developer build these improvements as part of their development. Uh, it wasn't until uh, 2013 when the board at that time, or actually 2012, when that board took office, where they indicated, hey, staff, we want you to go do an infill study and identify where all these connections were not being made. So you had roads in place. Largely the road network up until that time had been done either by the Virginia Department of Transportation, but more specifically done through the development process as Loudon developed and proffers built those connections. Uh, the infill study was brought to the board, I think, in 2013. Correct. Uh, and then at that point, the other thing that happened was House Bill uh, 2313 that then provided additional transportation money, both the VDOT and the Northern Virginia specifically, which then allowed us to go ahead and start doing the larger infill. But then right before that, the board also allocated two cents mm -hmm. uh, of the tax rate towards the CIP to also start building these connections. And so it's really been the last three or four years where – uh, we've gotten direction from the board to self-perform that work, if you will. Uh, prior to that, it was really just a plan. Uh, well, it was a plan with the intent to have right. developers as they develop the community a okay. To, okay. to construct these connections. Okay. Uh, there are a handful of projects that were done uh, prior to 2013 or 2014. Uh, those largely came through board member initiatives right. uh, or they came out of the uh, community plans that we were doing. So, right. for example, there's a connection on, I think it's Atlanta, uh, Atlantic mm -hmm. Boulevard that was done as part of the Potomac uh, yes. outreach. As well process. as the Palisades Parkway uh, missing, uh, yeah. sidewalk right. lane. So that's a more yeah. complete okay. And actually, um, that, that, that really does speak to what Mr. Meyer said in that, you know, if you have a developer do it, that's why you see um, um, uh, bike trails within that HOA, but it doesn't connect to the next to the next community over the next HOA over for that very reason. So that that makes sense, and now we know that 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 didn't work <laughs> to, to some degree. Um, well, it doesn't work as far as connectivity, community to community, well, community, community to community. Okay, my next question is. Um, um, Mr. Corbuff, you may know this, and Mr. Barker, who's sitting right behind. I don't think there is, but is there a person on Envision Loudon from Bike Loudon? Is there a representative on Envision Loudon from Bike Loudon? No. Uh, Mr. Mr. Barker. We have someone that represents Northern Virginia um, Parks Authority on on that, but we don't have one for for Bike Loudon. Bike Loudon, um, I will say that my um, one one thing my Envision Loudon person has done is really kind of reach out to groups that are not on the list, uh, who are not represented in the room to try to talk to them. I think Bike Loudon has been has been doing some good work around this around these efforts, so they may not be a bad group to to talk to. 
Um, next question. Um, when we talk about the plan going forward, are we also talking about, do we have any plans for a bike share program? So, you know, you, you, you pick up a bike in one place, you ride it someplace else and leave it, leave it there. Is, is that part, are we just talking about connectivity and paths? Or, or is, is a bike share program also something that's being discussed? Uh, we don't have any plans for a bike share program currently. Uh, in, in my experience, to, ha to have one of those requires an ongoing operational commitment by the locality. Okay. It also works best in areas that are arguably more urbanized than mm -hmm. Loudoun currently is, where you have um, easy connectivity between different areas that a, mm -hmm. a large number of people mm -hmm. want to go to mm -hmm. and from. I'm, well, I'm, I was thinking particularly when we start doing talking about bike the bike paths in the in the metro area, the, a bike share program may be perfect for for the metro for the developments that we're put in the metro area. Just something to to consider. Um, yes, yeah, sir. Um, that concept is something that we have been discussing at the staff level. Once metro gets here, as part of our parking garages, oh, but good. more in the like the zip car type. Uh, concept where there may be um, those types of rental short-term rental cars uh, available at our parking garages that people could come to Loudon uh, via Metro access one of those vehicles and you know tour the county for various records and that's but and that's for a different purpose so zip car would take you yeah you get it in Loudoun and you can take it to eastern Loudoun and western Loudoun County and do that but a bike share within metro is for the community within the metro area yes so yes. and so it's a concept that yeah, could be great that's because whenever we need people on, on bikes and not in cars that's probably something we want to do if we can um, next question is um, why while we are uh, talking about um, the bike trail connectivity, and this is a great conversation. It's very exciting. Are we also talking to our mapping and zoning department? Because we now have a geo hub in Loudoun, and so to put these things, put, get an app, a bike trail, a bike trail app. Um, because we have the Esri software here, and we, you know, we we we're, we're doing that all. So. Um, is that a, an, an ongoing discussion that we would have a we could have an app and and, and a, a, a bike trail information that people can hold in their hands? So the the uh, mapping office actually does have a an interactive map showing yeah, I know, I know. this thing. Um, we could certainly look into whether or not that's that could be. Because I think what Mr. Higgins said. I mean, if, if you want to, you know, if you want to make loud in a kind of a tourism place for 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 cyclists, then you know, the easiest one of the easiest way to do that is let them have an app in their hand, and it shows them the connections, the trails, the the, the rest areas where they can get off, go to a hotel, get, you know, that that whole type of thing. And so, to do this as we're going along, to have this ongoing conversation with our mapping department to have a to have a um, um, a map in, the, in you know right on your phone an, an app would be I think a, a smart thing to do and will actually bring tourism money into the county so thank you for all your work on this uh, thank you uh, any more questions or can I ask a question or two before <laughs> before who knows how many motions get thrown forward um, 
I was going to say, I know there are some difficulties with connectivity in some areas, um, but I think half of it has to do with the timing of the developments, um, literally in Cascades where it abuts to uh, Sugarland Run. We actually worked with the Sugarland Run HOA and got the county to accept the modifications. And not only was there connectivity, but the Sugarland Run HOA trail needed repairs. So instead of installing a trail here and a trail there, they literally connected and the Cascades developer made that trail much better that runs between the two communities. Um, so there is, there is work and there's connectivity. Some of the larger scale developments, you don't have those problems. There's good connectivity, for example, between Cascades and Countryside. It, it's, I think, some of the older communities where it was, say, a small infill development that occurred. Um, it, I think, it's, at least in my area, is maybe more of the difficulty. Um, you know, my question is, I know there are folks that are talking about um, putting motions forward and uh, that type of thing for, uh, you know, pedestrian and bike connectivity for the CIP. Um, the bigger question is, I know we have not just started those discussions yet for the upcoming CIP. Um, does anyone have any idea how much room we have, say, in the CIP each year for the next three or four years? So the answer to that question is the CIP is fully allocated and has been uh, for quite some time now. That isn't to say that there isn't the ability to move some projects around okay. uh, the, or to add some projects uh, because of the fact that even though a project may be planned in a specific time frame, there are delays and other things that occur that allows us to, to fit some other things in from time to time. Uh, right now, we're in the process of, of taking the current projects of which we are aware and uh, programming them into the CIP. So if there is a desire for uh, larger additions, then I would ask that we that those become known to us uh, relatively soon uh, so that we can try to fit them where we can. Otherwise, uh, you know, you are constrained and the, the CIP is full. Uh, so we would have to go through. So largely what we do in March, for example, once the CIP is proposed, is a prioritization exercise of, of moving uh, changing the priorities of the CIP from the last one that was adopted by the board as part of the capital plan to adopting a new set of priorities. Uh, it, within that, the addition to the CIP is actually relatively small because you're, you know, to end where I started, you're, you are fully allocated. Right. So basically what you're saying is uh, the glass is full. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, qu the question becomes, um, this, of course, in reality would go to the Finance Committee first because we always start the CIP discussions in the Finance Committee. Um, and I'm assuming uh, the question becomes, uh, 
you know, if we bring forward multiple motions here today or extensive projects, um, I mean, I'm just looking at this one item, the planning level cost estimate. I'm assuming that's for, you know, like the alignment, the engineering, and the construction. You know, you know, $10.2 million is a nice chunk of change. Um, th that's why I'm asking, because if there are ad additional things, you know, we could very quickly, you know, have, say, $100 million worth of uh, sidewalks yes. and trails. So and, and trying to find room for them, uh, what would the process be? I mean, would we so literally say move a school construction back or move a fire station construction back to make room for this? Yeah, so, so what we have now is we have – so this year in the CIP, we add two additional years. So we have, at this point in time, a, a bunch of requests. So we have things that are identified as part of the capital needs assessment – that then move into the CIP based off of triggers that are identified and adopted by the Board of Supervisors. We have a whole bunch of projects that have been requested by individual board members pursuant to the call for projects that Supervisor Letourneau issued in his capacity as the chair of the Finance Committee. Uh, and then we have requests from each of the towns that the, the, the board also uh, allows the towns to ask for for funding for projects that are in the county's interest as well as the town's interest. So we're trying to balance those priorities to fit them into a proposed plan that the, that the Finance Committee and then the Board can consider in February and March of next year. Uh, what I'm saying is if if there are specific projects that, that TLUC wants to put forward as part of this effort that we're talking about this morning, my request to the committee would be for, the, for you to put those on the table uh, so that we can start because there's five board members here so if you're going to make that request put those on the table this morning or at the latest uh, you know well I guess, we're not having one in a TLUC meeting in, in December right correct uh, so I would request that those projects be put on the table this morning so that they can fit into um, we can try to just slot them somewhere in the CIP discussion correct because it, it for projects of the magnitude of ten million dollars and above it's really hard for the for the board to modify the CIP to that extent once you get into into March, just because of how things are slotted in the in the previous priorities that the board as a body have set. So, uh, the best opportunity to get them into the CIP would be for those projects to come forward now, and for us to try to fit as many of them in as we can. And then what happens in in March really is the finance committee will go and 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 you know, perhaps reprioritize those projects, taking the entire capital budget into consideration, and then the board would make a final action in uh, April. Okay. So my follow-up question, and by the way, for the public record, uh, you all have not received any CIP requests from the Algonquian District. Okay. Um, you misspoke when you said received requests from all the supervisors' offices, not technically all. Um, so uh, the the question becomes: um, if someone wants to bring a motion forward, <clears throat> hopefully, from what Mr. Hemstreet said, it will be a clear motion. You know that says, you know, I want to build a trail from point A to point B on the north side of the road or, you know, 
<laughs> something like that that might help them because if an individual board member has already submitted it, we don't want them to get confused and not realize that, oh, no, the request that was already submitted by a supervisor's office for the CIP discussion indeed was the same thing. So I throw that out there. Uh, Mr. Meyer? Yeah, you might want to allow me to make the motion before you start arguing against something you don't know exists. Um, so what I'm going to, we have a, a program that we put in place, that we're starting to put in place for intersections where we're prioritizing which ones are the least safe in order to make sure we can start bundling these projects to create scale to save money on procurement. Um, we need to move forward with that process with this. And so my, that is my intention with this motion. I'm also going to be including as a further move the request by Supervisor Sain, so just bear with me. Um, and so I'm going to, going to read this motion. I move the Transportation and Land Use Committee recommend discussion of an updated funding priority plan to complete missing sidewalk and trail connectivity in, uh, in the plan for consideration for inclusion in the FY19 uh, Capital Impro uh, Improvement Program discussion. I further move to instruct staff to draft this plan to prioritize paths and sidewalks with the highest potential pedestrian and bike traffic their value to economic development, and for the promotion of tourism. I further move that the Transportation Ladies Committee recommend discussion of the planning level estimates for missing sidewalk trail connectivity as shown in attachments one and two to a future board business meeting for consideration of inclusion in the FY19 CIP budget discussion. I'll second. It's been moved and properly seconded. Is there discussion on the... Uh, Motion, sir, would you like an opening? Yeah, sure. So basically this, uh, this motion, what it does is instructs staff to basically prepare uh, an updated prioritization plan for all of our missing links in the sidewalk and trail connectivity and ask them to come up with a prioritization plan. Uh, and so that way in our CIP discussions, we can say, listen, these are our high needs and then there's the middle needs and then there's the low needs. Um, and, you know, the board can then make the decision, do we want to try to fund our high-level needs in our CIP? Do we want to move stuff around? Do we want to make those priorities? What I will tell you is, from my district's perspective, um, and I think from many districts' perspective, getting these missing links filled isn't something we want to talk about after two years of Envision Loud, and it's not something we want to talk about happening in 2025. It's something that people want to start seeing construction on. And so... Um, and, and, and that's just what, what, what we're hearing. Um, with the prioritization plan, I tried to take in consideration Mr. Higgins' comments, talking about both tourism and economic development, as well as foot traffic. Uh, and so it hopefully will be a county, it'll, it will be embrace that, that countywide need. Now, with the, that last motion, that was Supervisor Sain's motion, I will say that as far as the CIP discussions go for that, I really think that the board, in my, in, in my uh, opinion, really could look at crosswalks there, but the, the parallel sidewalks are obviously very expensive, and that's going to have to be something that's weighed with other priorities. But I think that that plan, the supervisor saying has had staff draft, is worthy of consideration during the CIP deliberations. I'm not recommending that necessarily be passed. I think it is worthy of us to say this needs to be discussed. And so that is why I moved this, this motion today. Supervisor Higgins, then the chair, and then Supervisor Umstead. Thank you, Madam Chair. I appreciate uh, Mr. Myers' motion, I do have a question. Would the work that we're doing on Route 15, is the 
cost of trails included in that project or would that need to be included in Mr. Meyer's motion? It is included. So it, it's our intention to include it with the estimates that we provided. Okay, so it's uh, outside of this. Um, then the other thing I want to ask about, we are working on a Western Loudon Bike Loop, and it doesn't include any asphalt, but it does include um, sort of staff to work on it and identify, I guess signs to identify the trail primarily, and something like that, would that need to be included in this or as something separate? I would think that probably could be accomplished separately, but I, I don't know. Through the Envision Loudon process, as, as you previously mentioned, that is that is being um, evaluated. How that would how that would work. Uh, one of the one of the things that we're looking at, and we'll continue to look at in that regard, is making sure that there there's safe uh, access through that loop. Um, we want to make sure that any signage that we put up encourages bicycling on roads that are that are safe for bicycling. Um, so we, we we haven't determined exactly what the extent of that would be, but we're certainly considering that through the Envision Loudon process, whether that's just signs or what else would need to be done. I mean, I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're correct. In reality, the loop already exists. It's just not identified, if, it, if I'm making sense. People come off the WOD trail, and they head up Clark's Gap Road, and off they go. And I think the idea of the loop was to direct them to some roads and places that they could ride that would be safer and out of the way of the exactly. regular traffic. And it, it's, it's not that complicated um, if we just got the board and, and staff on board to, to move forward with that, to identify the trail. Because, frankly, there's bike trails out there that have been identified all over Loudoun by other organizations that um, we may not even know about. If I may elaborate on what you're stating, Supervisor Higgins, I think what you're saying, as I understand it, there are some um, routes that are already identified as bike routes, but yet there are no wayfinding signs associated with them. So your question is, if and correct me if I'm wrong, would the wayfinding sign effort be included with the uh, proposal that Supervisor Meyer um, has presented, or would this be a separate initiative? Is that what you're asking? Correct. Okay. All right. And I mean, I, it, and it's easy for me to say, but in my view, I would think it could probably accomplish as a separate initiative, and it, I don't think it would be particularly costly either, but okay. um, I could be wrong again. Um, should I take a stat? So, um, Supervisor Higgins, I, I believe that a sign initiative uh, probably would be separate from funding the missing links, but it should be something, I agree with you, it should be a priority, it should be relatively inexpensive, and it's something hopefully we could consider as soon as possible. Uh, and this, if you, if you compare this to our intersection priorities, I mean, this is something where we're trying to batch sort of large-scale projects together. Uh, instead of basically an improved sign uh, initiative, or it's, it's, it's a little bit separate from that. What I will say is that in current CIP projects that are road projects like Route 15, uh, you know, I, and, I, and Mr. Krobeth can correct me if I'm wrong, any road project we have planned, any road improvement project includes pedestrian and trail, and basically includes the sidewalk and the mixed-use path, any road project that we're doing now. So whether it's Route 15 or Shellhorn or, you know, hopefully any Route 9 improvements, things like that, we'll, any new project that we take on will we'll have those, those uh, trails in them. But the issue is, is the roads that we've built in the past, 
that have these massive missing links, as you're well aware of. I, I understand, and, and that's why I want to get clarification, but th this really is an issue of, of safety when you're talking about safety. I mean, we have, I mean, we have near-death experiences on a lot of these back roads all the time, and people don't realize the amount of traffic and cars that are there. And so if we can find a way to direct them somewhere else or at least ride, they're going to be riding anyway, direct them someplace that's just as scenic but less traveled. It's, it really is a safety issue, and that's what we're driving at. Whether it needs a separate motion to move forward, fine, but I, I would like to, you know, work on that and get it done. Mr. Hemstreet. Uh, thank you, Madam Chairman. I, I just want to comment for the board based off of the end of, of the motion that's on the table. If the, the committee wants some of these projects proposed in the CIP, then I would, again, request that the direction that request be provided to me as part of this meeting. The way the motion currently reads, as I understand it, is that we would then take it and introduce it to the Board of Supervisors at some future date. The challenge with that is unless there is some room that's created as part of the CIP as it's put together, you would have to pull other projects out in order to fund some of these if, if you want it to be a priority. I, I can't sitting here say how much of, of these priorities we can fit into the CIP. However, I'll again remind the, the committee, based off of how the budget is put together, it is a lot easier to, to ask me to try to put some level of funding towards these projects in the proposed CIP than it is for the board after the fact to try to modify the CIP to add some of these in. So that's yep. the only comment I wanted to make. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, for point of clarification, um, because the first part of your motion is basically for them to go plan and prioritize. Right. So yeah, the first, the first two, yeah, the first two bicycle facilities. The first two motions were for inclusion in the CIP discussion, um, and I believe Supervisor Sain's motion, which I added as a further move at the end, was what you got confused about, where it says bring it back to the board. Um, and so the the prioritization plan. Uh, funding prioritization plan for missing links countywide would be for inclusion in the CIP discussion. Does that make sense? So if I understand, I, I was not interpreting that motion to mean for staff to propose specific projects into the CIP. Correct. Well, and so just like you're not specifically necessarily going to be proposing specific projects as part of the intersection improvement. What we're doing is doing well, uh, batches of we, projects. We are proposing specific projects as part of the intersection improvements. If, if that is, th those top five projects that are in there will be included in the CIP in some, right. or some, some fashion. And so what I'm seeking is some direction from the committee as to whether or not you want some level of these pedestrian connections included as part of the CIP or not. And we, we, I mean, from Supervisor Sains is already that motion has already been to the board. If you're talking about the Route Seven connectivity, and the board has already directed us to to add that. So right. the guidance that I'm seeking from the committee is: Do you want other connectivity? So, for example, of the of the uh, metro area uh, pedestrian improvement, pet and bike improvements that have been already identified in missing links, does the committee want us to try to fit those in to the CIP prior to Metro opening, for example? 
that that would be a specific motion okay. that then asks us to go back right. and take a look Mr. at Mr. Hemstreet. I'm sorry. <laughs> for, for those of us who don't do this 40 hours a week, you know, um, let's slow down. So you're telling me the second part of the motion, all right, which dealt with the pedestrian and bicycle connectivity, I'm just calling it along Route 7 in Sterling. We already took action at the board meeting, which I had read in the packet. So you all are already have that on the CIP, the CIP list for a discussion at Supervisor Letourneau's Finance Committee CIP discussion meetings for inclusion yep. in the six-year CIP. So that's already there. Okay, well then I can. I'm happy. So can, I'm happy to withdraw, withdraw that. Withdraw that piece. The, of la it. the latter. Yeah, the latter third of the. Okay. Thank you. The motion. All right. Um, but so uh, to answer, Mr. Can we can we go back to the uh, the sure. in the original piece, and it would have been helpful if we'd had this printed up ahead of time. But can you reread the first part of the motion? Yes, ma'am. I'm happy to. Uh, I move that the Transportation and Land Use Committee. Uh, recommend discussion of an updated funding priority plan to complete missing sidewalk and trail connectivity in the uh, in the consideration for inclusion in the FY19 budget. Uh, I further move to instruct staff to draft this plan to prioritize paths and sidewalks with the highest potential pedestrian and bike traffic, the value to economic development, and the promotion of tourism. Second. Okay. No, no, what, I just, I asked him to reread the first part of the right. motion. Okay. So the first piece is basically you want, you want us to tell staff to, to, to go ahead plan. to do a plan. A prioritization plan. And a the second part is how that plan is, is what we think are the priorities. Well, and you said that though in the 2019 budget. Right. So what you're saying is during the CIP. But, don't say CIP because them figuring out the missing links or the priorities isn't kind of a CIP issue. Okay. It's, it's only when you're literally doing engineering alignments and construction that you literally look into CIP. Well, what like they when would, we did our, yeah. when we did our missing link study for the roads, that wasn't a CIP item. Right. We, the board basically allocated money so they could hire a consultant and well, they could go we, and make the map that showed us where the missing transportation road links were. We have all that data already. So, we have all that um, data. We have all that data already. What this motion is getting at is for them to compile the data we already have, which is significant, and try to give the, us their professional opinion on a priorities list. And then for that priorities list to be considered similarly to the intersection improvement list, and say maybe we do want to take a stab at the top five. And obviously, in my opinion, metro has to be the number one priority, right? The metro area has to be the number one priority. But after that, my constituents, I think mostly everybody's constituents, to be honest with you, would like to see us start taking a stab at our big missing links. And yes, it might mean moving some stuff around. That's a lower priority to Loudoun residents. Um, and that's, that, but that's part of what we have every year for a CIP discussion is what needs to move around, what's the top priority for, for our constituents. And I think this is one that is worthy of, of discussion. Okay. Mr. Hemstreet. See, I'm trying to get to this. Please yeah. now ask the question. I think so, I know what you all are looking for. Go ahead. So the only thing, so just two clarifications. One is if we can, if the, if the 
Baker, the motion's willing to modify it to just say, directing us to put those priorities into the CIP as opposed to FY19. I, we're not going to be able to fit it in FY19 specifically, but into the capital program would be sufficient. And then finally, on with respect to the $10.5 million project along Route 7, what was delegated to, to the committee was whether or not to give direction to me to include that in the CIP. So what I was trying to say is to modify the motion not to send that back to the board, but to go ahead and give me direction here as to whether or not I should try to fit that project into the overall capital Just budget somewhere yeah. between 19 and 24 or, right. or you know, a future um, fiscal year. So, so the for, uh, so Mr. Hemstreet, if it's okay with the if it's the, yeah if it's the, if it's okay with the seconder of the motion, which I believe is Supervisor Umstead, I'm willing to modify the motion to just say for it to the CIP discussion, uh, or the CIP budget discussion rather than a specific FY, which is what you were asking for, correct? No, I'm requesting direction from the committee as to whether or not I should include it as part of my proposed CIP. When, when I hear a motion that says send it to the CIP discussion, what that means to me is not to include it in my proposed budget, but it just simply goes to the Finance Committee as additional issues for the Finance Committee to discuss when they take up the CIP. So I'm being very specific in what I'm right. saying is does the committee want a portion of the CIP to be allocated towards these types of improvements, which means when I deliver the proposed budget, there will be a portion of the CIP that includes this, as opposed to it being completely outside of the proposed budget, in which case now you're having to take things out of the proposed budget in order to fund it. Madam if Chair, could I clarify something? Please. Thank you. My understanding was Supervisor Sains was okay with his um, sidewalk project <coughs> being in 2025 um, that he just wanted to make sure it had a foot onto the CIP, but he was not looking for funding in the next right. budget right. year. Right. He, was, he was willing to go to the out years. That's my understanding, um, and Matt Leslie is nodding his head. So I just wanted to make sure. I didn't know if that would change things for you. Sir? So what was – my understanding is that's fine. We can place it in a future fiscal year. However, my in, in recollection of the motion was that that discussion and then subsequent direction to staff was delegated to this committee. And so if, if the desire is right. to have – Trust me. How do I say it? Handling this is the easy part. <laughs> this is the one project, okay? We will get to that. That's why I separated it out because it's clean and definitive. I'm trying to get this other piece. And, of course, I think probably our biggest problem that we are having here today is TLUC isn't the money committee in the first place. We're not used to dealing with the money portion. So it's normally the finance committee that deals with the money portion of these things. Um so I think that's probably part of our hurdle. Um, at this point in time, it would help. Supervisor Myers, I would like to recess the meeting, and can we type up your motion so that everybody can see it and maybe give you a couple minutes also with Mr. Hemstreet to make sure what we're trying to do actually works because I know you are not looking for 
us to add, say, I don't know, $100 million to this year's budget to build sidewalks, you know, like that or whatever. But we have to, like, because we're crossing the line and we're getting into the finance side of it, I want to make sure whatever motion we pass gets done what we need done about this kind of overall prioritization, like you talked about the intersections, and how can Mr. Hemstreet and his staff plan for it, you know, and say, kind of like we did the two cents when we first got elected. Maybe it's something where they're able to then take the time and say, you know, we're going to allocate, you know, $5 million a year every year in the CIP, you know, for pedestrian projects or something like that where then they can then start planning and prioritizing these missing pedestrian and bicycle items. So we're going to take a five-minute recess. Thank you.
No, so what I told um, Supervisor Sings. It is still morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'd like to reconvene the meeting. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just to get back into it, uh, we are in uh, item number one, bicycle and pedestrian plan overview. Uh, and I do want to thank staff for a wonderful presentation. Uh, and as anyone who's been watching the meeting knows, we're having a very lively discussion. Um, but hopefully now uh, we have uh, uh, kind of separated out a couple of issues, and I think that we are uh, ready uh, to resume the discussion. Um, Supervisor Meyer. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm going to withdraw my uh, previous motion, and the good news is, is that uh, this is countywide, and, we'll, and it includes a prioritization plan and, and an instruction for funding, and so I, I don't believe we'll actually have to talk about the, the following motion because this is inclusive of concerns from the Sterling District Supervisor. I move that the Transportation and Land Use Committee recommend the county administrator to include in the capital improvement project program three to five miles of pedestrian and bike trails per year in the county's high priority areas as defined by the countywide bicycle and pedestrian accommodations priority list and the metro access bike and pedestrian priorities list. Second. Okay, it's been moved and properly seconded. Uh, in case anyone hasn't seen it, uh, it, the motion has also been emailed to each of the committee members. So if you want to review it in writing, it is in writing. Uh, opening, sir. Yeah, it's just be, uh, I'll try to be quick. So this was, uh, this was the recommendation of trying to get what we were trying to, what I was trying to get at before, but with more specificity, thanks to um, the county administrator and our, uh, our director of, of infrastructure. Um, and so what this will do is specifically say we want the administrator to, to include in his draft proposal actual improvements uh, to these pedestrian and bike trails. And so this means quick action. It's a relatively limited amount of funds, but it means, it means that we can go out and tell people, listen, we're taking action now. We're going to see progress soon. And it's uh, the, the formulas and the plans that we're using have already been developed, and they're good plans, and they do balance out countywide priorities. Um, and so I think this is a huge step forward for us today, uh, and appreciate support. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Randall, and then Supervisor Higgins. He was first, actually. Oh, really? Okay, Supervisor Higgins, then Chair yeah, Randall. I had my light on before the break. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Yes, you, well, you leave your light on on occasion. That's I know. That's a reason for that. Um, just to verify, I know the answer to this question. This is we're talking countywide, and so I'm all good. Really, your light was on for that. <laughs> That's all you wanted to do. <laughs> I learned not to assume anything. Um. Uh, 
Yes, that this, this motion actually does everything we're trying to do and, and in, incorporates what Supervisor Sainz is trying to do. Mr. Krobaff, you, you said this once before, but remind me, um, the MBTA 30%, I ask that because the MBTA 30% money is for local local uses, and and has how is, how is that programmed out? Do we program that out in a six-year budget because we know it's going to come? How does that work, and how far is Tell me how that, the 30% of the MBTA money works as far as I know how it's allocated from the MBTA, but how do we program it out? So, so currently the MBTA funds our program for permissible projects in the CIP, and we can identify those specific projects for you. Uh, but you can also look it up within the adopted CIP. Starting in FY20, uh, the MBTA 30 funds are allocated to WMATA Capital. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, uh, and uh, from there on to WMATA Capital, starting in 20 and then, and then going forward is what you're saying? Correct. Up until the time. Now, eventually, as the tax districts develop, they should catch up enough that we'll be able to relax some of that, but at least for the foreseeable future, based off of what we believe the WMATA capital payment will be, that it's allocated to WMATA capital. Yeah, I, you know what, I didn't, I did not know that. That's new information. Um, okay, um, uh, Mr. Meyer, I, I want to say that I, I think there's a good motion. I like the idea of an updated funding plan because I think it, it gets, it gets to what, what my question was and what you had said, which was, and, you know, we, we had a plan, and it wasn't that the plan wasn't working. The plan was working. The plan was just it, it, it connected a community within a community and not a, a county and not between communities. So the, the plan we had didn't fall apart. It just wasn't. It, was, it, it just relied too much on what the developers could do, and, and, for, and for obvious reasons, money reasons, not what the county could do. So the fact that we need an updated funding plan to talk about what we can do as a county now that we have a little, we, you know, we're not as overwhelmed with building schools and as, as we have been in the past. Um, having an updated funding plan focused on uh, uh, roads helps. It's going to be, I think, a good thing going forward. So. Supervisor Higgins. I do have another assumption I don't want to make. Um, when we talk about high priorities, we're talking about the issues that you referred to in the previous motion. That would be the determination on the priorities. Um, Madam Chair, I would uh, direct. Uh, I would. Uh, I would ask staff who developed these priorities lists to go ahead and answer that question, probably better than I could. So there were various studies that I mentioned. 2011, the priority list that the board at that time developed, and then that was updated to incorporate metro access. Uh, and again, all of that's going to be rolled into Envision Loudon, where there'll be a combined single priority list. And that priority list is subject to the board defining those priorities, not just staff. Well, when I, what I was talking about was when Mr. Oh. Myers made his previous motion, right. he mentioned including issues such as um, tourism and, uh, uh, and some other some economic, development. economic development and those items that should be considered if in this plan as trying to connect, like if we're trying to connect across the river or whatever. So 
Um, that's what I'm asking. Uh, would those be part of this? I would like to see them be part of this. Okay. For for a point of clarification, Mr. Crowbeth and maybe Mr. Hemstreet can follow up. I uh, appreciate you bringing that up, Supervisor Hickens. Is that uh, when you all are developing this list and you know looking at priorities, you do include things like, you know, uh, connectivity to Metro, connectivity to the WNOD Trail, tourism economic development type centers, that type Schools, of thing. Schools, public facilities, and public neighborhoods, facilities. Okay. Uh, employment centers. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, that is, that was a good assumption. Okay. Uh, any other discussion on the motion? Would you like a closing, sir? No, I would just say, I mean, I, I think we're, we almost are underplaying how much of a big deal this is to our residents. I mean, I hear about this all the time. I know everybody hears about it all the time about different missing links and trails, and, and we really should. Um, it's, this is a really good step for us um, in saying that, you know, one of the most successful counties in the country isn't going to have uh, missing links forever on its main roads and that we're taking definitive action. It's, uh, it's, it's really something that we should be proud of. Thank you, sir. Seeing no further discussion, all those in favor say uh, aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstentions? That motion carries 5-0. All right, ladies and gentlemen, seeing that there are no other items on our... Oh. I'd like to make a motion, Madam Chair. Okay. Super or maybe not, depending on what staff recommend. Okay, Supervisor Higgins. Thank you. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm not going to call recess, I hope. Um, now, I'm, I'd like to move that the staff work with um, Mr. Cruz and Ms. Turner, I think with their organization, Bike Loudon, to, number one, verify the viability of the Western Loudon bike loop that they're talking about, and then look at what it would cost to provide signs to identify that loop. Okay. Would you like an opening, sir? No, ma'am. Okay. Any discussion on the motion? Madam Chair, um, that's a that's a great motion. I think um, I think Visit Loudon has uh, they are they are a really great source when it comes to some of these things. And it's one of these things when I talk about when I when I say that you know we have a, a magnificent staff and the nine of us are not too shabby, but we also have uh, uh, citizens who have who who focus on some of these individual um, things and and visit. I mean, we bike Loudon. Um, has put lots of thought into and into the connectivity throughout the county. So that's a that's a very good motion. Okay. Uh, any additional discussion? Would you like a closing, sir? No, ma'am. Okay. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Abstentions? That motion carries five zero. Thank you very much, Mr. Higgins. Now I'll. Not going. Seeing that we have no other business on our agenda today, uh, I will hereby adjourn. Signy die.